Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Hello! Thank you for greeting the good people. That's Person Noob, of course. I am Soccer Noob and we are here to bring you the 10 most intriguing matches from around the world, whether they're from big countries or small countries. If it's important where it's being played, there's a pretty good chance that we're covering it. That's usually top two matchups from top flight domestic leagues, uh, finals or big games from uh, whether it tournaments, whether the national team tournaments, international club tournaments, we go everywhere. And we'd like to think that's what makes us unique this week. We're going to be covering matches. Our soccer week will run from May 27th as Friday through Thursday, June 2nd with no further ado. Let us dive in with March number one. No Friday matches were quite shiny enough to get our attention, so we start off on Saturday with our Major League Soccer feature match of the podcast. For the second week in a row, we're headed to Orlando. At the time of scouting, they are number three in the East, and they're playing host to number three in the West, Dallas. As always, those positions in the table, they might have changed between the time I scouted it and the time you're hearing this, so please take those with a grain of salt. But it does look to be the most important match of the week. Here's how the table looks. Orlando trailed number one Philadelphia by three. They've got to get that high to get a bye in the playoffs at the end of the season. Top seven go, remember. And the winners of each conference they get a bye and go straight into the quarterfinals. And they lead number eight Atlanta by five. That would be the first position outside the table. Things are still fairly close to the table because obviously they're nowhere near even halfway through the season. Now, Dallas, they trail number one in the West, LAFC by four, and they lead number eight Colorado Rapids by four. Series between these two the last couple of seasons, Dallas has had the best of it with a 3-2-1 record. You can catch this iteration on ESPN Plus at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, before we dive into the preview in full, Team Noob's cause is just. And so we have brought back our new favorite University of Central Florida professor based right there in Orlando. Two weeks in a row, he has decided to grace us with his presence, trying to convince you why it is that we can't root for Orlando as it not as a football team, not even as a city. Join the fight, or we're going to keep harassing this poor man. Um, uh, it's Professor Arbre Callen here again. Uh, I'm not sure how you tricked your way past our department secretary, Gladys, a second time. And we, we know it's not soccer news. I said it before, and I'll say it again. You cannot build a city on a swamp. I shouldn't, anyway. 
Not only do you get the massive deadly sinkhole issues we discussed last week, but the more water we get standing around from rising global levels, the more disease-ridden mosquitoes we're going to get. Dengue, malaria, West Nile, um, all matter of encephalotides. Flee for your lives, Orlando. Me? I've got to run. Gladys says the science department, Dean Reynoso, from Arizona State, is holding to talk to me about a tenure-track position there. Now, I'm not sure what they need a wetland ecologist for in the desert, but I'm not asking. Uh, Be well, news noob, news noob, whatever. Thank you very much, Professor Callan, for the time. Uh, Good luck as a sun devil, possibly. At least I think I got my uh, mascot right for Arizona State. Anyway, as always, we will start off by talking about the home team, Orlando Boo. That's for you, Professor. No, we're we're not booing you. It's for the team. The Greedy Mice Men of Orlando. Instead of lions, which is so unoriginal, they should be the Greedy Mice Men in honor of Disney. That's what I think. Anyway, while we have determined scientifically, I might add, that nothing good can come from anything to do with Orlando, they did not lose last week in our feature match. That said, they did blow a 2-0 lead to Austin last week, and that was because they dropped a couple of men to red cards. They dropped one, gave up one goal, and then gave up the tying goal after another guy had the uh, super intelligence to decide to get kicked out of the game. Statistically, I think what you're going to see here, independent of any uh, shenanigans that we do with the fun and characters. Thanks again, Dad. That was really good, by the way. Um, The stats don't back up. This team is a very strong playoff team. I think they're just barely going to squeak in if this sort of thing holds up. They're only tied for ninth best in offense in their conference. The defense is a few notches better, but overall, they're just tied for the number six goal differential. Wouldn't stun me if they missed the playoffs, but again, I think they're going to sneak right in. On the assist leaderboard for this team, Mauricio Pereira from Uruguay, 32-year-old veteran, who spent the heart of his career with Krasnodar over in Russia. They've got him at the midfield, but they're superstar. And I've been mispronouncing his name, I think, at least in the most recent uh, game broadcast that I heard. They were saying his name as Pedro Galisi, whereas I had been saying it Gaiesi, thinking that it was, you know, had the, the Latin double L as a single letter for the Y. In any case, he is their Peruvian superstar, tied for second best in clean sheets on the air, and he's starting to flirt with 100 national team caps for his home country. But so far on the season, I believe the best player that they have going is Joao Matinho from Brazil. Left back, just 24 years old, plays all over the field. He's already got a couple of goals notched. Uh, He's a fair passer and dribbler, but when it comes to his defensive duties, he is outstanding, very physical tackler, uh, started his senior playing career on the other coast with LAFC. As far as this team's current form, uh, that draw against Texas, uh, against Austin, I should say, that snapped a two-match winning streak. Now looking to see if they can uh, keep Orlando's, uh, or create a skid for Orlando, if you will, is Dallas, known as the Burn. I think they might also be known as the Toros. I know they have a bull on their crest. Historically, They've got some success in their past. 2010, uh, they finished runners-up in the league playoffs, best they've ever done. 2016 regular season, they did have the overall best record in the league. Good for winning them the Supporters' Shield. 
internationally, 2016-17, in the CONCACAF Champions League, they made the semifinal, best they've ever done. Last year, they were a long ways removed from any sort of best efforts. All the Texan teams finished near the bottom. They were 11th in the West. Uh, This year, they short things up a fair bit. They've got a top four offense getting over one and a half goals per match, but the defense is their strength. They're number one in the West in that regard, giving up less than a goal per match on average. Good for the overall third best goal differential. Got to wonder how long they can hold on to young guys like these. Dallas likes to sell their players on, but right now they've still got them number one league score in all of MLS. Jesus Ferreira, forward, 21 years old, uh, reps for the U.S. He's got uh, nine uh, national team caps, I believe, uh, Colombian born. And then a guy that's been really hot for them that you want to watch out for is Paul Ariola. He's had goals in each of the last two matches that they've played. Uh, he spent the longest stint of his career down at Liga MX, where we don't often see a lot of American players, which still surprises me to this day. He was with Tijuana. He's generally a very accurate shorter shooter, if something of a poor dribbler. 44 national team caps to his credit, by the way. I'm not, I think he's sort of, uh, He's involved with the national team, but he's not a regular starter for them, I don't believe, at this point. Team's current form on a bit of a skid themselves. They have lost two straight. Match number B. That was number what, person noob? Number B, number B. It's the number between one and three. Yeah. Ooh, complete with either a jazz hand or a spirit fingers. What was that? You were doing it. You, you struck a pose. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. Okay, I didn't even know if you knew jazz hand versus spirit finger. Good on you. I'm raising you right. Okay, well, replace number you-know-what, which is bathroom talk in your daily lives, noobites, with number B. Take it from person noob. It's the cool new way to go. Match number B for us is another Saturday match. Yeah, it gets weird here. It's from Australia, the A-League men, the top flight down there. They have reached their playoff final. Now, this is considered just to be the number 26-ranked league in all of the Asian Football Confederation, which, yes, Australia joined, I believe, about 10 years ago. That's down seven notches from a year ago, and I believe in a season or two, that is going to cost them international berths. I think they'll just get one group stage berth at some point. As things stand right now, uh, the winner gets into the AFC Champions League, a group stage berth, and they are called the champions, referring here to the winner of the playoffs this game. If you win the regular season, you are known as the premiers. The regular season premiers also go to the AFC Champions League group stage. And the second best team also gets to go, but they have to enter back at the playoff round. This match is going to be played at AAMI Park, which is the official home for one of the two teams here. And then for the second team, they split their time, I believe, uh, between four different stadiums. And this is one of them. Your matchup. Number one from the regular season, Melbourne City, taking on number three, Western United. Now, uh, based on everything I've been looking at with the standings and whatnot, I believe that even if they lose this match, Western United will get that playoff round berth into the AFC Champions League. So congratulations to both teams. They're going to be an international play this year. Melbourne City have had the, the better of it as far as the overall record between these two teams recently, but this year it has been all Western United. Uh, they went on the road and got a nil one win, and then they've played them twice at their own home or one of their own homes and won one nil, and then also got a 2-2 draw. We'll talk about the home side first, Melbourne City. They are part of City Football Group, you know, the one that owns uh, Manchester City, 
uh, New York City FC. It's kind of like rooting for the New York Yankees. Quite, you know, nothing really wrong with it, but there's a little something wrong with it. These guys are in the greater Melbourne area. They're in the southeast central part of the greater city in a suburb called Cranbourne East, probably a good 30 miles from the city center. The club is ranked number 45 overall in the AFC. They are the two-time defending premiers, and they are the defending champions. So two regular season titles in a row, and they won the playoffs last year. This year's Champions League might be the only international appearance they've ever made, and they finished in second place in the group stage. Only the winners got to advance, so they went no further. They uh, ended up, they got really close, though. They lost out to a tie team that was playing host in their group, Patum United. Uh, they were tied on points and then uh, lost on uh, the tiebreaker of head-to-head result or specifically goals scored, I believe. This year in league, they won the regular season by one point over Melbourne victory, and they beat Western United by four overall. Statistically, this was a very deserving team. Number one offense by lot, scoring over two goals per match. They had a top four defense. Overall, it was good for the number one goal differential. And why not? That goes along with their number one league-leading score. He got 15 in the net this season. Jamie McLaren, their homegrown striker, came up with Blackburn over in England, but he's mostly been in his senior career with Australian teams. Did do a little bit of loan time, I believe, at one point with Hibernian over in Scotland. But I think that their best overall player on the season has been Matthew Leckie, their left winger. Even though the defense ranks a little bit lower, Uh, than their offense. He has just been critical. Came over here from Hertha Berlin over in the German Bundesliga. So some really good, uh, you know, international experience there. He's got nine goals and four assists on the season. Uh, He's a really accurate shooter and an outstanding tackler. So he can get all over the field and get it done. Uh, Teams form in the last three, they are 2-1-0. Reason that's possible here in the playoffs is the semifinal, they actually played a two-legged tie. Now, Western United, very young club, founded in just 2018. They were known then as Western Melbourne. Uh, They are playing out of the western suburb of Truganina, and basically they are uh, in existence to represent uh, western suburbia in the greater Melbourne area. And then they also represent sort of the regional teams out in the greater Victoria state. Last year, they didn't do such a good job of it and finished in 10th place. Uh, Kind of a good thing there's no relegation. They would have been pretty close to that. The year before that, which was their first official season, they finished in fifth place and made the playoff semifinals. This year, the offense is a little bit above average, but they've got a top two defense going. They were conceding less than one goal per match. Tied for number three in league scoring for them with 10 is Alexander Priovich, striker, homegrown, 32 years old. He's actually Swiss-born, and he's repped for both them and for Serbia, but that was back at the national team youth levels. And then he did also make uh, a dozen or so appearances for the Serbian national team. Most recently before coming over here, interestingly, uh, he was with a very good club over in one of the best leagues in all of Asia, Saudi Arabia's Al-Idihad. He's also got a nice European pedigree. He's done time with uh, POK, one of the big three over in Greece, and Legio Warsaw, traditionally, not sure so much this year, one of the great teams in Poland. They've also got the number one goalkeeper in the league on the year, Englishman Jamie Young, veteran, 36 years old, Australian born, but repped for England at the uh, youth national team level, came up with Reading, in fact, over there. 
longest stint that he spent. And this helps give a little bit of perspective on what, say, uh, how Australian football compares to uh, what they play over in England. His longest stint was with Aldershot Town, which is professional, but just barely. It's in the fifth tier over in England. Uh, his longest senior career stint, though, was with Brisbane Roar, one of the uh, sort of lesser teams, if you will, over here in the A-League. Match number three. One more Saturday match, and while most would consider this the most important international club match of the entire season, you'll find out later why we only call it the second most important after a manner of speaking. Match number three is the UEFA Champions League final. You know, I should have looked it up. I can't remember if it's San Denis or uh, St. Denis. But in any case, the match is going to be played at the neutral site just north of Paris in the French National Stadium between, of course, Liverpool and Real Madrid. And since every podcast in the world, almost literally soccer-wise, is going to be talking about it, we're instead simply not going to mini-preview it, but use this as our chance to try to make some quid. You want to know how to gamble on this? There's only one man to turn to, unless, of course, you've been listening to all his missed results throughout the European season, and that is our 3,500-year-old soothsayer, Noob Stradamus. Take it away, almighty prognosticator. What do we need to know? Greetings from Paris. When you want me to prognosticate a soccer score from delightful places like Paris, I don't lollygag around my usual Thracian plains of Greece. They're missileless, as you know. Noob, I confess I've had a poor run with these footy scores. Time for something different than an herb-induced vision. Don't get me wrong, I've smoked a ton of lotus leaf once again. But today I wear a different soothsaying hat. That of Horospex. Time to bring in the ancient Etruscan and Roman traditions of the reading of the entrails of sacrifice animals. Disgusting, absolutely, but we must pay this price for accuracy, it seems. Before me, a fowl, having given its life for our cause, laid out its liver, of course, but also the heart and lungs. We're going all in. Hmm. The liver is missing its caput lanocerus, the liver head. That's a bad omen. Will it be mitigated upon close inspection of all the awful here? If the organs are smooth and shiny, we deduce one thing. If they are rough or shrunken, another. What a god-awful mess. (laughs) That'll clear one's head. (sighs) Strong leaf today. So strong I clean forgot I never sacrificed a chicken at all. Well, this is embarrassing. Hello from Chez Lamy Louis. One of the best places in all Paris to get chicken dishes. It's on the Rue du Vertbeau, right next to the Metier Art Museum. I've ordered chicken with artichoke hearts. Delicious. Sorry, no score today, but thanks for getting in touch. Match number four. 
Let's flip the calendar page to Sunday and bring it on back close to home. Liga MX in Mexico. They have reached the second leg of their two-legged tie in the Clausura stage final, the second of their two stages that make up the Mexican football year. International bursts, CONCACAF Champions League. Here's how it works. It's not directly dependent on the regular season. The two teams in the Apertura and the Clausura stage that makes the finals, they all four get to go to the CONCACAF Champions League. By the way, you can catch this second leg, 9-10 Eastern Time, Univision or TUDN. I think you're going to be looking at a Spanish-language broadcast either way, but that's just fine. The matchup you're going to get, number one from the regular season of the Clausura, Pachuca, taking on number three, Atlas. Here's how things stand in terms of who's going to get to go to the CCL. Now, Atlanta beat Leon for the playoff title in the Apertura or Atlanta, Atlas. I was just looking at my abbreviation. Atlas, as well as Leon, they're already going to the CCL. Now, since Atlas also obviously made the Clausura final, that has opened up things for the team with the overall best record in the league. They didn't happen to win either stage or aren't going to, obviously. But Tigres would be going to the CCL as well. So to get in, Pachuca are going to have to win. I do not believe that they have a good enough Uh, aggregate record between the two seasons that if they lose this one, that they'll still end up getting to go on any other kind of tiebreaker. The series between these two, Pachuca, have had a very slight edge with a 10-8-9 record of mass. They also won earlier this season. They beat them nil-won this stage. I think I mentioned this, but just to make sure, at the time of recording, we did not know the leg one result. Nevertheless, this is a really big deal for multiple reasons, obviously. Talk about the home team first, as always, and perhaps becoming my favorite Mexican team, Pachuca. I love their mascot, for one thing, the Gophers. They're in the east central part of the country in a region called the Bajio region, which is one of the uh, most tourist-friendly, safest places in the country. Uh, I've been all over Mexico, and it didn't have any problems, but that really, really appeals to me. Plus, I'm a bit of a foodie, and, uh, well, well, uh, pasties or pastes, are uh, you can find them all over the place in Mexico. They're particularly popular in this region. They came over with the miners in the 1800s uh, from the Cornish regions of uh, Great Britain. And they make a particular one in this area with lamb and poblano peppers. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to wait to get back, back to Mexico. I really want to try it. Let's get back to the footy before I start salivating too much to record. Six league titles to their credit. Most recent one was the 2016 Clausura stage. And yet, despite the fact the six isn't a huge number, they've actually won the Champions League five different times. Most recently, 2016-17. This current season in the Apertura stage, uh, forgive the phrase, but they crapped the bed. They finished in 15th place out of 18 teams. They were not generating much of any offense. The defense was good enough that their goal differential was pretty average, but they just couldn't quite get over the hump and into the playoffs. The Clausura stage, they won that by five points over Tigres, and they actually finished 11 ahead of Atlanta. And the stats back up the improvement. Their offense, they ended up tied for number one in that regard, scoring right about one and a half goals per match. They didn't sacrifice any defense either. They were tied for number one in that regard, conceding less than one goal per game. That was good for the overall number one goal differential by over a 50% margin. They only won the Clausura by five points. You can't say they ran away and hid, but with that kind of goal differential, yeah, they more or less ran away and hid. 
uh, helping them in that cause, tied for second best in stage scoring. Uh, their star, Nicolas Ibanez, Ar- Argentinian center forward, who uh, Atletico Madrid over in La Liga actually had the rights to him a few seasons back. They had gotten him from uh, San Luis in Mexico, but then they turned around and loaned him right back. So sadly, he never got to make any appearances there. Tied for second best in assists. I always love seeing these guys in traditional defensive positions getting it done at both ends of the field. Right back, Kelvin Alvarez, 23 years old. Not sure how much longer he may be there. He's getting some interest from Europe. Really strong interest in PAOK. And if they are paying attention in Greece, I guarantee you they're starting to pay notice to somebody that young and that talented, uh, probably in La Liga and maybe even over in Premier League as well. And if there's one thing we've learned about Pachuca in recent years is that one of the things they're most famous for is they are the league's biggest exporter of players to Europe. They are kind of like Dallas and MLS. They are not afraid to sell players on. All right, and now Atlas, the Foxes, playing out of Guadalajara in the western part of the country. Uh, 2021-22 Apertura stage, they finished in second place, and as mentioned, they won the playoffs. That was their first title since all the way back 1950-51, and here I had thought it was only Cruz Azul that had been uh, cursed like that in this particular league. Uh, The offense... That's not really where they're going to get things done. They're barely above average in that regard, but they are tied for number one in the league on defense. So I hope you like defense if you're going to watch this one because these two teams are definitely oriented that particular way. Uh, They were tied for number four in overall goal differential. Despite the fact that their average was a little bit lackluster, they do have a top 10 league leading scorer in uh, Julianne Quinones, Colombian forward, but I think that their best player overall is Aldo Roca, central midfielder, homegrown. Only one goal on the season. He's a bit more of a defensive player as far as his duties. Okay, passer, passer, but he is amazing at dribbling. So he can really get up the field. And then, you know, as long as the formation is right, and apparently he's got some shorter passing duties, he can really help things uh, get going on the offensive end. Match number five. Just as last week, we saw the end of most of the non-Northern European league seasons. Uh, This week, we're seeing the same thing happen over here in CONCACAF. Not for America and Canada, but once we head south of our border, not only do we have Mexico ending their season, but next we're headed to Honduras, the Liga Nacional. That is considered, at least if you follow kick algorithms, and I do, the number three ranked league in all of CONCACAF. Costa Rican fans will probably have something to say about that, but let them at me. Soccer Noob USA. I'm not the one that said it anyway. I just read it. Now, they do things a little bit differently in Honduras. It is not uh, the champions necessarily of the regular season or playoffs that get to go. At least that's not the primary determiner. The aggregate table between both stages, the three teams with the best record, they go to the CONCACAF League. Doesn't matter if they won stages or not. Now, note that I say CONCACAF League, not CONCACAF Champions League. The CL is a feeder tournament for the CCL. You can catch this final and its shiny trophy at 6 o'clock Eastern time on Fox Deportes. And you're going to get to see number one, Real España, take on number four, C.D. Matagua for the shiny trophy. Uh, we, we do know that the first leg of the two-legged tie was already played, and Matagua won it 3-0 at their place. So even at home, Real España really have a uh, tough road to hoe, so to speak. The road teams in the regular season were your winners. Real won nil two, and Matagua won one to two in the regular season. Clausura, the uh, series between these two, as you would imagine, incredibly, re- incredibly even in recent years. Matagua with just the slimmest of edges, twenty eighteen and nineteen record. 
Rayel Espani will talk about them first as hosts. They play out of the second largest city in the country, San Pedro Sula, three quarters of a million people. It is the industrial capital, essentially, of the country. And that's great. Industriousness is very good. But what they're probably, unfortunately, most famous for is being one of the world's murder capitals. In fact, in 2016, almost two people per thousand, I believe, were that was the stat that I saw. People who were biting it, unfortunately. They largely have uh, groups like MS-13 and the 18th Street Gang, just a little less, a little less famous, uh, but just as murderific, it would seem. Yikes. You know how I said I wanted to go to Pachuca and that was going to be a favorite team of mine and I really wanted to visit that Bahia region? Yeah, San Pedro Sula, not on my bucket list. Yikes. All right, footy-wise, up until this year, they had won 12 league titles, the most recent having been in 2017, but they won the regular season Apertura this year and then finished second place in the playoffs. They won the regular season by five points over a couple of different clubs. Uh, they beat Matagua by nine in the Clausura, as far as points in the table. Statistically, number one offense, scoring almost two per match. The uh, defense was just barely average, though. Number one league scorer was there to boast of with 10 on the stage. Ramira Rocca, he's an Argentinian veteran, 33 years old, attacker. Uh, he's been not necessarily with this team, but he's basically, he came up here uh, just a year or two into his senior, the senior part of his career, and he's never left the country more or less. And now Matagua coming to town, playing out of the capital city of Tegucigalpa. They are known as the Blue Cyclone and have won the league title 17 times. That is the second most in the nation's history. Last time they won the playoffs was 2018-19, the Clausura stage. They've had some success in the CONCACAF Champions League as well. Just two years ago, they made the round of 16. That's the best they've ever done in modern times. They also finished in second place in the feeder tournament and thusly got to move on to the CCL. Uh, in the uh, CONCACAF League, they finished in second place in 2018-19 and last year. This is a team that is probably solely responsible from a statistical standpoint uh, for the fact that they have surpassed uh, Costa Rica in uh, terms of at least the kick algorithm rankings. In the Apertura this year, they finished in fourth place regular season, made the semifinals for the playoffs. The offense wasn't a ton of help for them. They were uh, barely average in that regard, but the defense was top two and they were conceding less than one goal per match on average. If they do end up needing to generate any offense, which given that they have a 3-0 lead, they may, they may not need to, but if they do, it should come from the feet of number four league scorer, Roberto Marira. He is an attacker, 35-year-old veteran, comes to them from Paraguay. Let's do a recap of last week's matches from the podcast before the Meow Meows get really upset. All right, match number one was a Friday match, the Confederation Cup Final, their version of the Europa League in Africa. And your final was Orlando Pirates from South Africa versus RSB Berkane from Morocco. And it was RSB winning. It was 1-1 for the draw after the regular time and then some. And then they went on to win 6-5 on penalty kicks. For RSB, man of the match possibility that we mentioned sure was El Fali. He got a goal in 97th minutes. And then the Orlando Orlando Pirates goal came at the 117th minute of the extra period. So nil-nil for 90 minutes plus and things got incredibly exciting. Saturday match number B from UEFA's Women's Champions League final. It was the old guard, Lyon, winning 1-3 over Barcelona. Yeah, we said to look for it. Salma Baca, she had an assist on the game-winning goal. And then uh, Gal from the USA that we made mention of, Katarina Mercaria. She had her 
She had the third goal of the match for Barcelona. Uh, their top gal, Alexia Patea, she had their goal. Uh, Sunday, match number three from the Liga de Expansión, the second division in Mexico. They were having their Campeón de Campeones final. The stage champions from the Apertura and Clausura was Atletico Morelia and Atlante playing. And it was Atlante that came out with a nil-nil win. That was the second leg of a two-legged tie. That made things 1-1 on aggregate. They went on to win 5-6 on penalty kicks. Congratulations. Match number four, the Copa de la Liga final from Argentina in Cordoba, Boca. Juniors, they laid waste as predicted, really, from uh, over Atletico Trigue. They T grade, they won 3 0. Uh, man of the match candidate that we mentioned, Sebastian uh, Villa, he had two assists. Match number five, Major League Soccer, number one in the West, Austin, took on number four in the East, Orlando, and the result was a 2 2 draw. And uh, that moved uh, Austin down to second place in the West, and it actually moved Orlando up to number three in the East. Monday, match number six from the Caribbean Club Championship. We had Seabout in the Dominican Republic. They played eventual winners Violette from Haiti. Regular time ended nil-nil. Violette had to go on and win four to five on penalty kicks. Congratulations and welcome to the CONCACAF Champions League. You snagged the berth. Match number seven from the FA, or League Cup, if you will, the Copa Polina Alcantara from the Philippines. We had the two main powers over there facing off. Kaya um, Iloilo, <laughs> they uh, they played in a neutral side against United City, and it was United City, the favorite, that got the 2-3 win. Wednesday, match number eight from the U.S. Open Cup, round of 16. Union Omaha, they played host to, uh, or rather I thought they were playing host to Inter-Miami. It was actually Orlando that played host to Inter-Miami. I got my O teams mixed up. What can I say? I'm a noob. In fact, Minnesota United actually hosted Union Omaha, but nevertheless, it was Omaha that came out on top nil, or excuse me, one to two. No League One team, that's the third tier in America, had ever even reached, I don't believe, the previous round, and now they have made the quarterfinals. Congratulations to them on the miracle run. Match number nine from the Copa Libertadores group stage. The last match of the group stage. Really dramatic one between third place Cola Cola from Chile. They were uh, playing host number B, Fortaleza out of Brazil, and it was a shootout for uh, the second place finish, and therefore the right to advance into the knockout stage. Fortaleza won 3-4. Cola Cola had the misfortune to lose a man to a straight red card in the first 51st minute. They were down at that point 1-2. So the margin didn't change, but it still had to have made things really hard because they were down 1-4 at one point. Match number 10, we had Roma and Feyenoord taking... playing for the first ever title of the tertiary tournament in Europe, the Europa Conference League. Congratulations to Roma. They won one to nil. And now your bonus matches with explanations coming later. The route of the week was a Friday match from Angola's top flight. The Girobola, number one, Petro de Luanda, took on last place number 16, Sporting de Benguela, and the result, no surprise, for Petro was a 4-0 win. The most meaningless match in the world was a Saturday match with number 10, from their conference in the West. Orange County taking on number six, El Paso. That's the USL Championship. Second division here in America. It was a 2-2 draw for a result. Orange County, a guy that we mentioned named Milan Elaski got a goal. And then for El Paso, Luis... Uh, 
Solonyak, he had a goal and an assist, was your man of the match, and we said to look for him in that regard, so yay us. That moved El Paso up to number five and knocked Orange County, your defending champions of the entire league from last year, down to 11th place in the West. Very surprising. And then finally, your matchup disappointed, a Saturday match. The two bottom teams from Slovenia's first league, or PRVA Liga, number 10, Illuminia, took on number nine, Tabor. And the result, you can never have a winner in the match of uh, disappointed. They managed to play to a 2-2 draw, draw so that they are still both in last and second to last place, respectively. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back to tracking the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. Sunday, we also see the culmination of Guatemala's Liga Nacional final. It's the Clausura stage there as well. They are getting ready to play the second leg of the two-legged tie. Uh, this is another case, just like in Mexico, where we do not know the result of leg number one at the time of recording. Obviously, nevertheless, this gets played either way, no matter what the score was, and thusly is a really important match. Now, this is the number five ranked league in CONCACAF, according to Kick Algorithm, and the third best in Central America. Uh, the best stage playoff winner, the one with the better record between Apertura and Clausura, will go to the Champions League, and then the lesser stage playoff winner and the best aggregate record non-champ will go to the preliminary round of the CONCACAF League. So it's a little bit different format than the one we had in match number five with Honduras, but they still get three teams in. Your matchup for this particular final, number one, Comunicaciones versus number B, CSD, Municipal. Those rankings from the regular season Clausura stage. Uh, pretty sure here that the loser is still going to end up with the best non-champ aggregate record. So both of these teams are going to go on to the CONCACAF League. Congratulations to them. But who gets to hoist the big, shiny piece of metal here at the end? We shall see. Series between these two, Comunicaciones, 26, 22, and 20. That's a long time, a lot of matches, and things have been very, very easy. These are uh, these are two pretty strong powers. Uh, this season and the regular season, they split. They both won 2-0 at home when they played. Now, uh, Comunicaciones, actually both teams, they play out of the capital city, of uh, Guatemala City, which you could probably guess, Comunicaciones and Municipal, I mean, those are clearly two government agency uh, backed teams, at least from their founding. But something a little bit more interesting about Comunicaciones, I found a mascot for them. I do not know what the history of this is or why. Maybe I'll be able to find that on a little bit deeper dive. But they have a ghost character that just basically haunts their home area. And his name is uh, Gasparine. Uh, again, Soccer New USA, if you've got the story on that, I would love to hear it. I couldn't find it in a real quick pass on the interwebs. Uh, this is a team that has won the league title 30 different times. Most recent one was 2015 Clausura. So they're a few years removed from their most recent glory. Uh, they did win the CONCACAF Champions League once. It wasn't called that. And actually at the time, all the way back in 1978, there was a three-way tie declared for some reason. But nevertheless, they might have a trophy or a piece of a trophy from that in their case. They won the CONCACAF League last year and then got to move on, of course, to the CONCACAF Champions League, got all the way to the quarterfinals where they lost to MLS's NYCFC. This year in the Apertura League stage, they finished in second place, both in the regular season and the playoffs. As far as the table, they beat Municipal out for that regular season title by just one point in the table. The offense 
best in the league, a little bit less than two goals per match. Uh, they're lucky that was enough in a way that was number one because their defense was uh, a little bit below average for this league, to be perfectly honest. Uh, on the scoring leader for them, I, uh, leaderboard for them, I've mentioned him before. He's so good. And I got to think that he's going to be able to make a move to Liga MX or maybe even over to Europe sometime soon because he's very young. Leonard Garcia, attacker who's just 22 years old, is your possible man of the match candidate for them. And now Municipal, again, also playing out of the capital city. They are known as the Red Devils. I like their crest. They don't have a devil on it. They've got a knight on it. Did a little bit of reading, and it turns out it's the patron saint of the city of Santiago, I believe there. St. James, who is depicted, and obviously depicted in red. Uh, 31 league titles to their credit, so just one more than their opponents today. Told you that they were both historical powers. Uh, 2019, Apatura is the last time that they won it, though. A couple years removed from uh, hoisting that trophy. They have also won the CONCACAF Champions League once. That was all the way back, though, in 1974. This year, in the Apertura stage, they finished in third place regular season, and then they lost to Comunicaciones in the semifinal. This year, uh, their offense is good enough. It is number three. Uh, they score over one and a half goals per match, but they've got tied for the number one defense. Defense travels. I almost don't care what the first league, uh, what the first like score ended up looking at. Like if it was close at all, I think Municipal is your favorite. They had the number one goal differential. For the Clausura stage, largely thanks to number B league leading scorer Eduardo Rotundi, their midfielder from Argentina. Match number seven. Our Sunday footiness is not done, and neither is our trip through Latin America. El Salvador, the Primera División, is our next stop. It is ranked just number eight by kick algorithms as far as the CONCACAF League Association goes, considered to be fourth best in Central America. Nevertheless, they too get to send three teams to the CONCACAF League. And uh, to be honest, these two are already in. And because of that, and we spent plenty of time doing the footing here in South America, just a little bit earlier than normal, this we are going to use as our time to take a break from mini-previewing proper and talk about something related to culture in the area. We don't just learn about soccer. We use soccer as an excuse to learn about all sorts of things from all over the world, by which I mean food. It's almost always food. No exception this time. Oh, by the way, before I forget to mention it, the finalists, Alianza, they're playing host to Aguila. There, there's your two teams. Who cares? Let's get into the food. Let's talk about the beverage of chilate. Now, this is really similar to atole from other parts of Central America. Here's the ingredients you're going to want. Let's start with this. You're going to want a one and one-thirds cup of nixtamalized maize flour. You search for this in a store, you might find it as uh, under the name Maseca, which I think is a brand name. Uh, you're going to want um, some ginger. You're going to grate that. You're going to want 10 whole berries of allspice. You're going to use eight cups of water. Now, if you want to be really traditional in some parts of the country, they also add cinnamon sticks to this mixture before they thicken it, before they thicken the flour. Now, uh, those are the, your ingredients. I'll get a little bit more into actually how, how it's made a little bit later in this segment. But a couple of things that I want you to know. There's no sugar in this. And even though it's very similar to other drinks, uh, the Mexican one is the one that I kept getting the most comparison to. And the Mexican one is very, very sweet. In fact, it's cocoa-based. No sugar in the Salvadoran version. Also, I mentioned that really weird word, nixtamalization. 
Oh, I hope I'm getting the pronunciation right. I don't know what exactly that is, but I do know that it's particularly important because it makes it a comparatively healthy drink. That process really helps control the bacteria level and it's famous for being very, very healthy. It also helps thicken it up some and it makes it more sour as opposed to sweet. By the way, this does not end up as thick as the Mexican version. It has more of a consistency that's gonna be like porridge. Also, you're gonna serve this hot. The Mexican version is served cold. And in fact, you, uh, on top of having a frosted glass, they also wanna get a very, very foamy base. So like a like a mad scientist bartender, they tend to pour it traditionally from like, uh, like uh, 20, 25 centimeters up to really get a high foam from that cocoa. Now, as far as how you're gonna make it, it's a pretty simple recipe. You get a large nonstick pan, dissolve the maize flour in with the water that we mentioned, place the pan on low heat. Add in your ginger, your allspice berries into the mix. You need to stir this constantly. If it burns even a little bit, even compared to other dishes, it's gonna absolutely ruin it as well as getting very, very sticky. You're very slowly gonna bring this to a boil. It'll probably take a little under a half hour. And then, uh, and then pretty much you're done. Now, this is traditionally served as an afternoon drink. You can have it anytime you want, obviously, but if you want to do it in the traditional way, just like the Brits have afternoon tea and uh, crumpets or scones or biscuits or whatever, they do this in the afternoon and they serve it with stuff like dulce de banana, which is banana jam, uh, naguados, uh, yeah, nuegados, sorry, de huevo, which are uh, egg-based donuts. Uh, you can also have uh, donuts that are made out of yuca or something called masa, which I'm going to assume is a corn-blazed flour, but take that with a grain of salt. But what you should not take with any doubt is that the traditional way with any of those things is to put something called panela honey over the top. We're going to learn you more and more soccer each and every week, and we're going to get more and more closer to our diabetic stages collectively. You are welcome. Match number eight. I almost wish we could have that cumbia music playing throughout the entire show. Rockin' America with really sweet, sultry sounds of traditional Salvadoreña cumbia. That'd be fun. But nevertheless, we must soldier onward to match number eight. Remember I mentioned earlier about how the UEFA Champions League final was perhaps in a way the only second most important match in the world? Well, we're headed to England for what some would say is the most important. And oddly enough, if you're not familiar, get ready. It comes from England's second division, the EFL Championship. This is the promotion playoff final, which is going to be played at Wembley. You can catch this match at 11.30 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN Plus on Sunday. And why is it so darn important? It's the third and fourth place regular season teams. Well, like I said, playoff promotion final. If you were looking purely at dollar signs or British pound notes or euros or whatever currency you want to use, this is the most important soccer match in the entire world, bar none. The difference in money from going up to the championship to getting those Scrooge McDuck bank vaults full of uh, pounds and euros for the TV rights for playing in the Premier League. Incredible. I read something from a big uh, accounting company. Uh, I can't remember. I want to say it was Deloitte, and I'm probably mispronouncing it. But regardless, in 2020, it was estimated that the uh, the boon from getting to move up into the Premier League from the second division was worth $85 million. Pounds, and that was just the first year. It only went down slightly the second year to 80 million. It means everything in terms of the ownership of these two clubs. 
So let's see how it's going to go. Number three, Huddersfield taking on number four, Nottingham Forest. Huddersfield finished in six, uh, rather they finished in third place, six points behind number B, our favorite, the Fighting Cherries of AFC Bournemouth. The top two teams automatically get to go to the Premier League, by the way. And then Huddersfield uh, finished two points ahead of Nottingham Forest. Series between these two has been dead even in recent seasons. They've each accrued an 8-2-8 and record. Nottingham Forest won the regular season 2-1 at home and then also notched a nil 2-1 at home. So, person noob. This is the most important match in the world. You get basically the equivalent, if you win this match in the second division in England, $100 million because of the TV money the next year, all the revenue they get. What would you do with $100 million? With $100 million? What's the first thing you'd do? The first fun thing you'd do? Obviously, you'd want to help out your folks and give lots away to church and stuff like that because you're a good person. I don't mean to speak for you, but what's the first... What's the first truly unique person noob thing that you think that you would do? I'd use about um, a little bit less than a quarter of it to buy all the Robux that I can. And then I'd buy all my dream animals. I even have an entire list of how many of each of that I want. Wow, you didn't even know I was going to give you this question. Here I am springing on What are some of your dream animals? What would you like to have in your zoo? Well, well, right now I have two cats. We have two cats, kitty noob number one and kitty noob number B. Um, eight more, eight more cats, three puppies, one, one lizard, one axolotl, 11 fish, um, uh, two hamsters, and yeah, the, uh, sorry, a baby elephant, two ponies, I want two pet chickens, and I want a pet, and I want the pet cow. And a pet. And now, I want a pet turtle. I've got to ask, 11 fish, that's a very specific number. How did you come up with 11 versus like an even number like 10 or a dozen? I don't know. Well, that's pretty good. Who here, raise your hand if you think Person Noob deserves your own like non-soccer show just to talk about whatever she wants. Yeah, we've got two. the two hands in this room are getting raised. Oh, we got Oh yes, Kitty New Kitty Kitty Noob number one, as 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 uh, as my daughter has deemed it. <laughs> All right, that was fun. But no, let's get back to the teams who actually have a shot of winning this money because uh, we're probably not going to make a hundred million dollars on this podcast. Maybe someday. Huddersfield. I thought they were the Giants for some reason, but the nickname I found for them was the Terriers. They play out of West. Yorkshire, which geographically puts them very close to Leeds of the Premier League. That's their big geographic rival. Now, the reason that they might not be a super-duper hotbed of association soccer, or association football, I should say, is that they have a team in the top flight for Rugby League. In fact, Huddersfield is the birthplace of that particular sport. Very interesting. Now, they have won the top division in England three different times, but it wasn't called the Premier League way back then. You've got to go all back almost a century. Nineteen, uh, In fact, they won it three times between 1924 and 26. Uh, they've also won the second division title, but only once, 1969-70. That said, they have been in the Premier League somewhat recently. They won the promotion playoffs in 2017 and got to move up. This year in the championship, their league, uh, they have the number four offense going. Uh, it's it's a very physical and not the highest scoring league in the world. They actually got to number four by scoring still fewer than one and a half goals per match. Uh, defense, they were in the top third of the league. 
Key people to look for for this one, tied for number three in assists with 12 on the season. Sorba Thomas, he is a Welshman, winger, 23 years old. Uh, he's got three national teams caps for Wales. He could have uh, played for Sierra Leone. He qualified through lineage via his father. He's got a, a Sierra Leonean, I don't know if that's the right word or not, but a dad, and then uh, he married a uh, Welsh woman. And you might think that, wow, he might be moving on to a uh, – a bigger, better club before too long, only 23 years old. But fairly recently, he just signed a new long-term contract here. So either the club wants him and he wants to be there for a very long time, or maybe it's a negotiation tactic and they're just going to try to squeeze a whole bunch of money out of somebody. I think it's going to be the former but you never know. By the way, they've also got the second best goalkeeper in the league in terms of clean sheets, an Englishman named Lee Nichols. And now Nottingham Forest. I don't know why you just wouldn't call yourself Sherwood Forest. Go all in with the Robin Hood thing from marketing. You sell all kinds of merch, especially here in the U.S. We just eat that stuff up. They actually play out of the uh, town of West Bridgeford, though. I say town because it's only got 50,000 people, but it is directly to the south, just across the river from the much larger city of Nottingham there in Nottinghamshire. Uh, that city has six times as many people, I believe well over 300,000. They are not known as the Merry Men, as I would have thought, but have an interesting nickname of the Tricky Trees. They've been in the top flight before back in 1977-78. In fact, they won the top flight title. They have won the Champions League twice, or what is now called the Championship, or what is now called the Champions League. But that was right back in 1979-1980, getting quite a ways back. They've been in the Premier League twice since in the 1990s, and they finished as high as fifth place. But they've always gone right back down. This year in the championship, they meant business. Top three offense and then a number one defense, letting in less than one goal per match. Their goal differential, despite finishing behind them in the overall table, was about twice as good as uh, Huddersfield. So I think that this is going to be your favorite, not just because I'm biased for that name, although maybe a little bit. Uh, Tied for number seven in league scoring this year. And on the assist leaderboard, Brennan Johnson is their star. A 21-year-old kid from Wales, plays winger, probably won't be with them much longer. He's been targeted by Leeds, and if Leeds is making a move now, uh, over the summer I would suspect that you can see some uh, bigger names from higher up the usual Premier League table uh, paying attention to him. And we do have the USA connection. I don't believe that he's their starter, but they do have a goalkeeper who is on the USMNT radar. He's got seven apps for us, in fact, appearances Ethan Horvath is on their roster. So you don't want anybody to get injured, but it would sure would surely be interesting to see him in the match, taking part in trying to help procure those 85 million pounds. Match number nine. No rest for the weekend weary. This final won't have quite as much money on the line as match number eight, but nevertheless, it is a big one. It's another Champions League final. This time we're headed to Africa, and it is two absolute behemoths that are going to be doing battle out of Egypt, all Ailey, the greatest team of the 20th century from Africa and probably of the 21st century as well, mathematically, taking on one of the mighty Moroccan powers, Wydad Casablanca. Now, even though they're listed as the visitors uh, by happenstance, this is a home match for them that it has, they didn't earn it as a home match or anything. It was simply scheduled to be there, but uh, good luck, all Ailey. You're having to go on the road, essentially. Now, they have played a few times in recent years, 
and uh, all lately have had the better of it. Uh, they've got a 4-4-2 and two record against YDAD. We'll talk about them first. They are known as the Red Devils or Red Giants, and they are the two-time Champions League winners of late. Now, how did they qualify? Well, on top of winning uh, the title, they were also in second place last year in the Premier League when uh, the Champions League deadline hit. There had been some delays probably due to COVID, and they were in second place at the time when they had to announce who they were sending. Obviously, they were going either way. Now, the Egyptian Premier League is the second best league in all of Africa, and I'll bet you'll never guess which one is the first one. Yeah, you guessed right. It's Morocco. It's a really good match. Currently in the Premier League in Egypt, they are in third place. They're only four points behind the leaders, uh, Zamalek. And uh, don't read too much into it because they are—they have four matches in hand against them. Because they've been uh, obviously having such a long stretch in this year's Champions League, they've had to have uh, postpone a few of their league matches. They're probably going to win the Premier League this year as well. And why not? Even despite not having played nearly as many games, they've got the number one offense going, scoring over twice per match. Uh, they're probably tied for number one in uh, goals conceded per match on average, and they have the number one goal differential overall which when you're looking at teams that haven't played as many games as some other ones, that's really the key metric you want to shoot for. Ali Malul, he is on the league scoring leaderboard right now. Tunisian left back, yeah, he gets all over the place from his defensive position. 32 years old, clearly still has some legs to him. And he's been uh, putting in the miles for the Tunisian national team as well. He has got nearly 75 appearances for them since 2014. Tied for number one in league assists, setting him up. Mohamed Magdi and Ahmed Madbouli. And I'm hoping, particularly with that second one, I'm getting the, that I'm saying that right. They've also got the second best goalkeeper in the league going, Ali Lofty, veteran, 32 years old. Now, he's the guy who I saw, but if you do end up catching this game online somewhere, don't be surprised to see a guy whose last name is Shanawi in goal. Take that little bit with a grain of salt. And now, why dad Casablanca, the Red Castle? Yeah, this stadium is going to be absolutely filled with red. And this is such a a neat team historically, more than any other team by far. They embodied nationalism against the French colonialists. In fact, I read one little story about a player. I don't know what particular year it was, but uh, the musicians in the stadium were playing the uh, the Marseillaise, the French song. And so this player dropped uh, trow, so to speak, and urinated in their general direction. I feel like this is the second time we've run a little bit blue, but it was a little bit too fun of a story (laughs) to pass up. Anyway, uh, back to the footy. That was distracting. In the Batola Pro, their top flight. Uh, That is, by the way, the number one ranked league in Africa. I think I said that. And they qualified as last year's league champions. In fact, they've won the league 21 times before, and they've won the Champions League titles two different times. 2017 was the latest one. In the last two years, they made the semifinals. The year before that, they made the final and lost. So like I said, two historical powerhouses. Tied for number three in event scoring is Yaya Jabrane, a Moroccan midfielder, 30 years old. And yet, despite his slightly advanced age in soccer terms, he just made his first three national team appearances last year. Congratulations on those. In the current league season, they are in first place with the number one offense and a top three defense, giving up well under one goal per match. This isn't the highest scoring league in Africa by any means. 
They do have the number one league scorer, though, with a dozen. Guy Mbenza from the Republic of Congo. Brazzaville, I believe, is a winger, just 22 years old. If you're wondering if he has Europe's attention, why, yes, he already did. He is on loan here from a pretty good Belgian team, Royal Antwerp. And also, yeah, SKC fans, Kansas City from MLS, this is the guy you're thinking of. Your team tried to pick him up in 2020 when he was still a teenager, pretty much. And they have the number one goalkeeper in their league going in, Ahmed uh, Reda Tagnauti. He's got 15 clean sheets on the year. And now it's time for... Questions will be answered. Ta-da! <laughs> That's right. We've always got to throw away the ellipses. Make it dramatics. Just in case you didn't figure out when we were going to answer them. Thank you in advance to everybody who submitted these questions. All right from the Brian and Me podcast. Person Noob, what's on your perfect pizza? I like pineapples. I like cheese. I like I like the I like the bread that makes the dough. Uh, I don't on like the pizza. pizza. <laughs> uh, okay, I like I like the pineapples. Um, non not spicy pepperoni. Um, I like extra cheese, and I like extra cheese. All right, extra extra cheese, very good. All right, um, what do you think about the fact that Ed Norton was not able to continue as the Hulk in the uh, I believe MCU universe? I don't. He's been replaced by Mark Ruffalo. I don't care. You don't find it happy or sad? No opinion? No opinion. No opinion. Okay. Uh, is Pluto a planet in your heart? Partly. There's there, Pluto is one of the five dwarf planets. A dwarf yeah. planet, I believe, is, should be considered a planet. Me too. I think the problem is that uh, size-wise, if they consider it a planet, that there are hundreds of others that they found or something like that that would also have to be considered planets. And then you would have so many more to memorize. But you're old enough to probably remember when Pluto was a planet, and now it's not, officially. Did that make you sad? Did a tear roll down your cheek? All right, fair enough. Uh, annuities, what are those? No idea. You got any, uh, any, it was sent by a couple of guys who work with, like, financial stuff and insurance. And I'll bet you know what A-N-N-U means as far as, like, a root word. Forever. Forever? Yeah. What are the flowers that come up every single Every single season without having to replant them. Seasonal? Annuals. Oh, no, but like, is, does it mean seasonal? No, it means year. So it has something to do with every year. But you uh, you made a good guess at it. And, okay, here's one from Alexander Dumas. How do you, how do you feel about Sweden breaking neutrality for the first time since the Napoleonic Wars by joining NATO? What do any of those words mean? Well, um... Sweden might join NATO, which is like the West team, the North American and other countries and European team that's sort of quasi against Russia because Russia invaded Ukraine. So are you happy or sad that Sweden, instead of being neutral, is starting to say, hey, the heck with you, Russia. We're going to join NATO, maybe. Yeah. Okay, so you're a fan. Good to know. Let's see. And there was one final question. I don't remember who submitted it, but they wanted to know what all your they wanted you to rank the blow pop flavors in order. Um, the blowpop flavors? I don't know any of the flavors. I just know that they exist. You're familiar with the existence of blowpops, but have no idea what flavors they come in. I only know that there's cherry. Cherry? Okay. How do you feel about cherry? I 
Okay, so it's the best one that you know of. But since it's the only flavor you can mention, it's also in the rankings. It is also Hi. the worst. No. <laughs> it is the best and worst. Can I answer a question that I ask myself? Yeah, sure. Questions will be answered today, after all. To rank all of the flavors, to rank all the colors of Skittles from, okay. from greatest to least. The best ones are the purple ones. The next best ones are the red ones. And then green and orange are tied, and then yellow is the worst. Oh, what's wrong with yellow? They're sour. They, they're sour. They're lemony, aren't they? They're sour, and they taste like crap. <gasps> yeah, I guess you can say crap on this show. That's how it goes. Ah. Okay, well, well, thank you so much, Person Noob, because uh, people had questions, and you got them answered. Today! Today. All right, cool. Go see your movie. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. Yes, dearest daughter, finally. And yet, before we dive right into the last of our regular 10 matches, I want to acknowledge that uh, while we normally do this, we simply don't have time this week because we only do 10 main matches. Uh, at the end of the season, not only are the regular uh, league seasons ending, but the FA Cups in Europe and some other parts of the world are reaching their final. In Europe in particular, in each of those, Offered is a Europa League berth or a Europa Conference League berth, the secondary and tertiary international club tournaments in Europe. The one I really wanted to look at this week that I'll make brief mention of is in Andorra because a second division club got to make it. The winner of that's going to get to go to the Europa Conference League. I'm sure it's one of the tiniest countries in Europe and therefore one of the lowest rated leagues, but they still get an international berth. And there was, I don't even remember the team. I might've even started with an X really wanted to cover it so much, but try to stay disciplined. And we just couldn't say no, even though it's only a semifinal in this particular regard, how can we get any more important than a match worldwide that is involving the country of Ukraine? So glad to be seeing them back on the field. Wednesday, match number 10, we return to, after quite a hiatus, the UEFA World Cup qualifiers. It's the second round, and this is the semifinal. Here's what's been going on, and all the other uh, groups have finished up. But this particular group couldn't because they wanted to give Ukraine, for obvious reasons, the Russian invasion, they wanted to uh, give them a long break and give them any every chance they could to try to have their team together and let them continue on their run and trying to qualify for the World Cup. Uh, from the various groups, the 10 second place group stage finishers plus the two best non-qualified teams uh, from the Nations League all advanced to this round, those 12 teams. They split them up into three groups of four, set them up for little mini bracketed tournaments. Only the winners of each of those groups of four get to advance to the World Cup. The winners of this particular match we're going to talk about will advance to the final in their group to play Wales for a World Cup berth. I thought about waiting one more week in the hopes that maybe Ukraine won. No offense to the other team, but we didn't want to miss out on a chance in case they lost. Congratulations. Welcome back to the field. You can catch this at 2.45 Eastern Time in the U.S. on ESPN2 or TUDN. Scotland playing host to Ukraine. Yeah, they're back. But we will talk about Scotland first since it's at their place. Now, they used the 2020 rankings for this from FIFA. They came in ranked as the number 48 team in the world. That put them at 28th best in UEFA. So uh, pretty much dead on average. Uh, in the first round, or the group stage, if you will, they finished four points behind Denmark 
and seven ahead of Israel. Now they were uh, mathematically, they were only predicted to finish in third place and not have any chance at advancement. But Austria was the team from the second pot that would have been predicted to finish in second place, but they finished all the way back in fourth out of the sixth team. Uh, nevertheless, they did get to advance to the second round because they were one of the Nations League's uh, teams that got to move on. Scotland, they've been to the uh, they've been to the World Cup a number of times, more of them back in like the late 90s and the 2000s, I believe. But regardless, they have never been to the group stage. And in fact, the last time they qualified, I believe, was 1998, if memory serves. In the group stage this year, they amassed a 7-2-1 and one record. Uh, offense was a little below average. Uh, defense was very much above average, conceding less than one goal per match. Top two event scorers and players that you can look for when you're watching this, uh, they've already netted four each, Lyndon Dykes and John McGinn. Team's current form, well, they played a couple of friendlies in March, not too meaningful, just warm-ups, but they did only manage draws in both of those. As far uh, continue on their form, they've won six straight matches in this particular event, and only Israel managed to score against them at all, and they still lost two to three. And now Ukraine, the reason we're really covering this, they came in as the FIFA-ranked number 24 team. Uh, that puts them in UEFA at number 16. 2006 was the only time they've ever been to the World Cup as an independent country, and they got all the way to the quarterfinals. Uh, they finished uh, this year in that group stage six points behind France. No shame there. One of the great teams in the world. And just one point ahead of Finland in that group stage. So they just barely made it. Skinned their teeth. And they did it all nearly by draws. They were undefeated, but they only won two games. They had six draws in there. Just incredible. Very well balanced. Second best offense and defense in their group. Uh, tied for fifth best in their group's scoring, having scored three, was Roman uh, Yaramchuk. He is a winger. Plays for Benfica for his, uh, you know, for his league play. One of the big three over in Portugal. But he's got 18 national team caps to his credit as well. And I want to make mention, I'm sure he is not the only one, but just because we're mentioning him from a footy standpoint, this is a guy who raised a lot of money during his break uh, for the defense of the city of uh, Chernihiv, I'm going to pronounce it. And uh, that money specifically got used to buy bulletproof vests for the troops here during the Russian invasion. Good luck to both teams, but it's hard to not say particularly good luck to Ukraine. It would really be something if they got to keep playing. Bring forth the bonus matches. I'm not the brightest crayon in the box. You know what? I should have switched things up, dropped one of the regular bonus matches and put in that uh, Anderin final with the second division team. That would have been fun. Nevertheless, we're going to do our three traditional bonus matches. The first one is dramatically called the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And it is a first versus last place match. And the first of three bonus matches that you got to vote on, vote on uh, each and every week, the beginning part of the week, I put up candidate matches on various Twitter polls, Soccer Noob USA. You vote and we make the dreamy content happen. The first versus last place teams that we're going to look at are playing on Sunday and they are doing so in Iceland. And what is now, and this is a little bit of a change. I can't remember the old name, but I believe now they're calling it the Besta 
Dealed or Dealed in, regardless, Iceland's top flight. It is only ranked number 52 out of the 55 leagues in Europe. So the winner will still get to go to the Champions League, but they'll actually have to play what I believe they call it extra preliminary round with like the champion from uh, San Marino and Andorra. And I don't remember what the other one is, but some other uh, micro state, uh, basically. So one team to the Champions League, two will go to the Europa Conference League. On the other end of the spectrum, two of the 12 teams will be relegated. Looking at that relegation possibility, even though it is early in the season for them as one of the Northern European leagues, number 12, last place, Leichner Reykjavik. And they are taking on current number one, Breda Blick. And I apologize in advance to anybody who's familiar uh, the uh, Icelandic alphabet is very, very different. I have a feeling that that might be Brainablik, for example, because it's a D that's curved at the top uh, with, to me, the strange-seeming uh, T-shape. Anyway, you can Google it up if you want. It's the first versus last place team uh, in uh, the last season or two. Uh, Bradablick have had the best of it, amassing a 2-2-0 record. But we will look at the last place teams first. And we're not here to pick on them. We want to find reasons that they might have some sliver of hope for winning this thing. That's part of the fun of the route of the week. So, Leichner, they play out of a city that I believe is pronounced Breinholt. It might be Breidholt. It's that same D-looking letter that's going to be throwing me off. Regardless of the pronunciation, it is in the southeast part of Reykjavik, of course, the capital. It's a district of about 20,000 people. That's one of the largest ones in that country. And it has the highest foreign-born population in the city. So very diverse there. Uh, this is a team that was promoted after 2020. Uh, I think this is the only time, at least certainly in recent years, that they have played in the top flight. Now, uh, they did win Division II in 2014, I'm seeing, and that is the only league title they have ever won. So they might have been uh, yo-yoing a little bit over the last few years. <laughs> the most interesting thing I found out about this team, though, and goodness only knows why, I give you a thousand guesses as to what their uh, club anthem is, the song that they are playing before every match. Elvis Presley's In the Ghetto. I didn't see why. Quite frankly, I was almost afraid to look up why. Uh, maybe we together on Twitter can collectively go uh, go on a hunt for that information. It just absolutely cracked me up. There's got to be some weird history there. Anyway, they finished number eight in the league last year. This year, they are winless. 0-3-4 with a 3-11 goal differential. That's easily the worst offense in the league. Uh, they're playing small ball, so statistically that defense puts them right about in the middle. But the offense is so bad that they're still tied for having the worst goal differential. So what can we hang our hats on? What hope do we have for them? Well, their current form, they just did get a draw at number six, K.R. Reykjavik. That snapped a two-match losing streak. So who knows? Maybe they can get two results in, in a row. Even at home, probably not, because here come Brainablick. They play out of uh, the township of Copavagor. It is the second largest city in the country, about 40,000 people. It is really essentially part of the greater Reykjavik area. It's officially just south of the city's borders, I believe. It's interesting that team, uh, that city named Copavagor, it translates literally to English as Pup Inlet, P-U-P, it refers specifically to seal pups. If you look at their town crest, not the club crest, it's actually got two parts. One is a church profile on top, and then underneath, uh, hopefully not getting squished, is a seal pup. So apparently those are really prevalent there. Kind of cool. Also, whether you've seen Will Ferrell's uh, 
Eurovision uh, movie or not, Fire Saga. Uh, what a bad, good movie. Uh, learned a lot about the little uh, supernatural gnome-like figures that are part of their folklore. They're called the Hulda folk. And a lot of that folklore and mythology comes from right here in this city specifically. Back to the footy, though. 2021, this team ranked just outside the top 350 clubs in UEFA. My guess is you'll find a lot of second division clubs from some of the bigger European countries that are considered a fair bit better than them. But that just makes this all the more fun that we're learning about them. Who else is going to talk about them? No one. That's why we do. They have won the one. They did win the league title one time. That was in 2010. Uh, they got to go to the Champions League, entered in at the second qualifying round, lost immediately. They have been to the Europa League several times, but they've never gotten past the second qualifying round. This year, they had to enter the Europa Conference League, that uh, tertiary tournament I mentioned earlier, in the first qualifying round, and they actually beat two teams in two-legged ties to make the third qualifying round before dropping out. Last year, they finished in second place in the league. This year, they are looking early on like they might run away with it. 7-0-0 with a 23-7 goal differential. That defense, believe it or not, is only good for third best, but they've got the best offense just by miles and, well, maybe I should say kilometers. It is Europe. Oh, and we do have a USA connection. There's a gentleman named Omar, Omar Soe from the Gambia, forward, 21 years old. He is on loan here from New York Red Bulls, part of their season. But I'm a little bit surprised that when they loan players out, they don't tend to do so almost exclusively uh, within the Red Bull system because they own a lot of different teams. And Iceland feels like a weird place to send this guy. They could have sent him to like Red Bull Bragantino over in Europe, you know, you know, put him back at least comparatively closer to home, but maybe neither here nor there. In any case, the team's current form, uh, they have conceded five goals in their last three matches, so maybe that defense is starting to slip a little bit, and maybe, just maybe, maybe in all caps, that could be the opening that a team like uh, like Nereykjavik need, but I wouldn't count on it. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. <laughs> While we very much enjoy uh, ripping off Prince or Prince's estate from the most beautiful girl in the world, person who maybe when it comes to this particular week's match, we should have done something different in advance and uh, recorded a uh, different 80s or early 90s song because. Uh, the one that the people have voted for for the most meaningless match in the world, which, by the way, is two teams smack dab in the middle of their table, then aren't going to probably get to go to international competition or get relegated. And we're the only people out there who will ever talk about them. This week, they have voted for a Saturday one from Latvia's Versliga, or also that translates to the higher league. Bring me a higher league. Clap, clap. Bring me a higher league. Whoa. Oh, I probably shouldn't do that. Steve Winwood's alive and can still uh, come after me, even in his uh, even in his old age. And he would be right to do so. Let's get into the match. Like I said, it's a Saturday one. The higher league in Lafayette is ranked number 38 in UEFA, so a bit below average. They get one Champions League berth. Two will go to the Europa Conference League berth. Neither of these teams are going to have to worry about that, or probably being the team that finishes in 10th place and is relegated, or has to face off in a relegation playoff match in the second-to-last place spot. They're almost halfway through the season. The matchup that you have voted on is number six, uh, 
Dogov Pills, I'm going to pronounce it. Darn you guys for picking that one. Versus number five, Auda. That one looks a little simpler. Uh, these two are tied on points. Uh, Auda have a big lead on goal differential, though. Uh, Auda currently trailed number three, Liapaya, by 17. And uh, they uh, Dogov Pills, in turn, uh, they lead, or yes, they lead number nine, Tukums 2000, one of my favorite club names in the world, by seven points. I love those things. It almost sounds like it could be filthy or at least cutely dirty, but it's not at all. Dogov Pills. Yes, let's go with that pronunciation. Uh, that team is named after uh, the city of the same name. It is the second largest one in the country. Uh, got about 80,000 people. It's in the southeast part of the country, fairly near the borders with both Belarus and Lithuania. By the way, Dalgava mean, uh, is the name of a river. It doesn't mean river. And the suffix P-I-L-S means castle. So it's castle on the river town, basically. If you've ever heard of this, it might be because you've got some heart art history in your background. This particular town is incredibly known, maybe more than uh, any other European city, at least the small ones in this region, for all of the red brick architecture. There are huge swaths of the town that it's almost exclusively this exact same red brick in the buildings. And the whole area was designed by, I believe, a German-born architect. Anyway, the club, they were founded just 12 years ago, fairly fun. Uh, young, I should say, and fun, perhaps. And fun because the BFC in their name, BFC, Dog Off Bills, stands basically for Children's Football Center. I didn't see anything else that smacked of this being an academy of some kind or a youth team. I don't think that's the case, but that might have at least been how they got their start. They've never won the league title. They did win the Division II title in 2013, though. Last year, they finished in sixth place. This year... Uh, obviously uh, doing about the same and uh, might be on a slide to do worse. Their offense, they've only scored nine times in 14 matches. That's just, how are you in the middle of the league with that? Their defense isn't a ton better. They give up well over a goal and a half per match. It's all good for the number six goal differential. So this is a really squirrely league uh, when it comes to the statistics. Uh, the one player I'll encourage you to look for this is team scoring leader, He's only got three goals, but that's the best on their squad. William Mukwele. He is from Cameroon, attacker, just 19 years old. Uh, team's current form. Uh, we might see them in the third and final bonus match, which we'll get to in a little bit before too long, because they've lost five straight matches. And now Auda, the visitors, they play out of the township of Kakava, which is only 10 miles south of the city center of Riga. So I don't think it's officially like a suburb, but that's only because Riga isn't that huge of a city in and of itself. Uh, Kakaba's only got about 6,000 people. Club was founded back in 1990, uh, 1991, and they've yo-yoed a little bit, but in and out of the top flight a couple different times. Uh, they were just re-promoted for this year after winning the second division last year. This year... Uh, tied for fifth on offense, but they're barely scoring over a goal per match. Defense is about the same. Their goal differential is really close to even. They should stay right where they are throughout the season. It's looking like at least early. If there's one guy that can lift them up, though, it is probably Tomislav. I'm just going to spell his last name. S-T-R-K-A-L-J. Uh, Strakalia. Maybe. I know the J is probably an E or a Y sound. In any case, he is from Croatia, and he's an attacker with uh, six goals already, and he is the team's number one league scorer. Uh, team's current form, though, uh, just like their opponents today, not doing so well. They have lost four straight. 
And that's going to lead us very cleanly and sadly into the last match of the podcast because it is the match of disappointed. The two meaningless teams, they have very, very disappointed in losing streaks going on. And now we look at the match of disappointed, which is the bottom two teams from some domestic top flight. They probably don't deserve to be there. The one you voted for is from Estonia's Maestro Liga. Uh, by the way, this is one of the lesser leagues in Europe as well. It's only ranked number 45, but that's up eight from a year ago. They're on the climb. No thanks to these two teams, I absolutely assure you. We're not even going to talk about the international burst this league puts out because all you really need to know for the match of Disappointed is that one team will get automatically relegated at the end of the year. One team will have to fight for their uh, top division lives in a relegation playoff match. They're getting pretty close to halfway through the season here. Your matchup is number nine, uh, Talina Kalev taking on number 10, Legion. Legion currently trail uh, Talani Kalev by one. And then uh, Kalev in turn, they trailed number eight Vapras on goal differential. So yeah, there could still be some movement, but these two, in fact, if you include Vapras, those three, those three are going to be playing a hellish game of musical chairs to see who just gets to plain old stay up at the end of the year. They've already played once this year and Legion managed to draw at home 1-1. They've played a few times the last several years. Uh, Legion, a slight advantage with a 2-2-1 record. Doesn't mean too much. Now, Talina Kalev. Talina is the capital city. I believe Kalev might mean cloth, but that might be from a, a related language. Might have something to do with the traditional economy in this area. Not really sure. This is a club that was first founded almost 120 years ago. I don't know how for how long. It might have even been decades uh, that they didn't essentially exist, but I know that they were reestablished in 2002. Last year, they got promoted to the top flight by finishing in second place. This is a team that's used to that sort of thing. They are your definitional yo-yo team. They'll come up for two or three years, go down for two or three years, and uh, uh, wash, rinse, repeat, basically, with them. They've won the top flight title three different times, but not since 1955. Uh, They won Division II once. That was back in 2011. Even though they've yo-yoed, that's the only league title that they've ever won, at least in the top two divisions. They've got tied for the worst offense going this year, not even managing a goal per match, and the worst defense. In fact, the worst I looked at this week in any league, they give up over three goals per match. Yeah, they could make a nest here at the bottom of the table. They're not going to be going much of anywhere, probably. Uh, Team leading score, they got one guy maybe worth rooting for. He's got five goals on the year. And in fact, nobody else on the team, I don't believe, has scored more than once. From the Gambia, Fode Trawali. He's an attacker, 21 years old, young enough that perhaps he could escape this hellhole yet. As far as the team's current form, hey, They've won two straight. Those were against bottom half teams, but they call that a winning streak. So I apologize for picking on you so much. I forgot about that from when I had originally scouted you. All right. Now that we've gotten past that tiny bit of good news, let's get back to more of the horrible, namely Legion. They also play out of the capital. They're known fully as Talina JK. Uh, they're a fairly young club founded in just 2007. Uh, this is only their fir- their third time ever in Division One. They've been here three straight years and never been here before. Last year, they actually finished in, finished in the middle. Could have been in a match of dis- uh, match of uh, what was their second one called? Oh yeah, the most meaningless match in the world. So meaningless that I actually forgot the darn name of it. <laughs> Who would have figured? So anyway, they finished in uh, fifth place. 
Now, this is a team that would actually be in eighth place right now in the standings, but they suffered a four-point deduction at the hands of uh, the league or the FA. I don't know who exactly imposed it. But basically last year, they were really, really extra late with a ton of financially related paperwork. Quite frankly, I think they're lucky they got to play at all. Tax returns, stuff to do with staffing. They were given all kinds of extensions and just were not turning anything in. And so they said, all right, you can play this year, but next year we're knocking you down for. That said, even without that deduction, I still think that this would be a team that you would find very disappointed to ding. The defense... Uh, they're giving up just under two goals per match, which, believe it or not, in this league is actually puts them in seventh place in that regard. But they've got tied for the worst offense. They're no good either. The team leading scorer, basically uh, four goals, and that's about all they've scored on the year, is Nikita Ivanov. He's a midfielder, just 18 years old. Hopefully he will come to his senses as he comes into his full manhood and get the heck off this team. Although that said, their form, uh, they're not on a winning streak. They lost their last match, but their last three, they are 1-1-1. One, one, and one. So perhaps these teams, or at least one of them, could surprise us with a win. But that's not usually how it goes for the match of Disappointed. And because they are so putrid, rather than wishing them then good luck, as we move to the end of our podcast, we will shoo them away in our usual fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was And that'll do it for Ep 85, a soccer noob rock in America featuring person noob. Thank you very much in return for all of his editing and production wizardry to he who is known as the management to Dan, the former website Interno Inferno for all of his creative efforts and inspiration here on the podcast side. Of course, thank you to my daughter, person noob. Everything you do just shines like gold. Everybody wants more person who I keep telling you that. And by gosh, we're glad to have it. Mwah. Thank you so much for being you and for everything you do. And to you, the listener, thank you very much for finding us. We know we've uh, created something uh, strange, perhaps even unique, but we've endeavored to uh, help you learn a lot about footy from around the world, as well as a few things about you know geography or history or folklore. That's what we shoot for every single week from the geographic locations that we cover from around the world. So, hey, if you think you know somebody else who might like a great change of pace podcast, we've been described that way, please be sure to mention our name to those footy-minded friends. Until we can do it again in a few days, have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care.